You are now in the mix with the Atomic Podcast, where we blow up the news. Welcome to the Atomic Podcast, where we're coming to you from Times Square, New York City. Um, this interview, well, it's not really much of an interview, I would like to say, but it's more of a conversation I had with longtime soap opera star, Tao Pingalis, and we discuss different topics. We discuss a little bit of Mission Impossible, we discuss food, and we discuss um, a multitude multitude of topics. So, just to get right down to it, let's hear this. Um, that was Eves. Oh my god, you just came out of nowhere. I, I just I didn't hear you. I just heard food. You discussed food? Um, well, yeah, you'll see. It's it's It was more of an interview, but it turned into a conversation. But it, it, it's a really good conversation, especially for the soap opera stars that would like it. Um, let's just get right down to it. Here's this conversation I have with Mr. Teo Pingalis. Intellectual stimulations by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. My guest today, he's an uh, actor, and he's been in a lot of roles in the past couple of years. Um, you might know him best as Tony DeMera from Days of Our Lives, and also, recently, he was in General Hospital as Victor Cassidine. May I present to you Mr. Teo Pengelis. Teo, how are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. I, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, so um, maybe the, the last few years, you know, there's been changes, but I did uh, turn the Maron days for on and on for 28 years, and now when I look back at when I started with Victor Cassidine, who's the only character I played in daytime, I didn't die. Yeah. So, for recently, but then we'll see what happens with that storyline. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like longevity. I like playing characters over um, a matter of time. That's why I always like doing series or, or a serial form of, sort of entertainment. Because in many ways, you allow the audience to, to go along with you, depending on the circumstances in which the writers have um, presented to you a character and circumstance in which you have to play. Yeah. Um, let me take this back just a little bit before I get into this. Um, how did you basically get involved into your, in the entertainment field? Uh, you know, it was really by accident. I didn't grow up in Australia. I was an immigration official. I loved meeting different people of different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came to America and I got away from my Greek background, um, it was by accident that I met uh, a Greek director called Milton Katsellas. And I eventually went into his classes and I became his assistant for 10 years and I ended up studying with him for 40. So, um, you know, if I look to see how this life would have been, would I have changed it? Probably. I probably would have taken a different profession. I, I always wanted to be an archaeologist and so I guess along with the different cultures that I enjoy because history has always fascinated me and I always like to know how people began and and how civilizations um, uh, were eventually um, seen as their downfall through greed or, or um, dictatorship. Or, but, you know, so I've visited many cultures over the years. That was part of my own education. But um, I like acting, uh, depending on what they write. It's not always great, but you try to do the best that the writer's given you. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing pretty well. And um, so... My format is always, you know, never bring shame to the family and always do work that you won't be embarrassed by. And so I try to to go along in those thoughts. And um, and now that I look back at it, uh, the wisdom that's come along with the journeys I've taken and the experiences 
say the great uh, uh, the great reward for getting older is wisdom. Yeah, yeah, and indeed. Doing not by our politicians, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in, in the way of life, I think even uh, at our age or older age, we're always learning. Like we're always learning something new. You know, especially with technology, there's always something to learn. Yeah, and you know, you, you're just beginning in, in, in this area of your life. I mean, who knows where it's going to go, but I always remember how someone gave me my start or someone was interested enough to give me the time to listen to what I have to say. And so in in uh, meeting with you and talking about our lives or my life or whatever, is is I'm hoping that, you know, you'll do really well and, and uh, this will be part of your beginning. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, let's get, get so you basically got your acting training, and did you had a lot of people in the classroom? Anybody in particular, or? Yes, in the early years, you know, I mean, there were some great actors, especially from the Broadway stage. Um, I, I still do a workshop, and Harry Hamlin, and uh, I remember Bob Urich, and uh, I remember um, um, what's her name. Um, Fascinating. Um, um, do you feel? And then um, you you studied. You, um, you lived in Australia. You was born and raised in Australia, right? Basically. And and um, when when did you um, you 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 came to New York City as well? And you you lived in New York City for quite some time. Yeah, I lived in New York for ten years. Um, I I went straight from Sydney to New York. I worked in the United Nations for a year. Okay. Didn't like working with the Australian mission. I found them to be terribly arrogant. <laughs> then I got into the, in the world of art, and yeah. that was fantastic education. So, and then I went and, and, and worked in the fashion world, and then I was into the acting world. So all those choices I made in my 20s were really a great influence in, in how I interpreted characters and the depths that I went into. And I just did a, a, a morning show the other day in House and Family, and I've been 
see from hearing you right now you're very you know you're very blunt if you don't like something you're gonna let that person know i don't like this you had any experiences dealing and especially in new york city with people getting you know at at you or like you know you know how you could tell some people are fake and everything like you had a lot of experience like dealing with like you know a-holes so to say you know well you know i can always tell by the person's voice yeah Just because that allows me to understand that what I've been given has been uh, 
you know, there is a lot of uh, shallowness in our industry, and there is a lot of egos at play, and people become, or they think they become more important because they've been given more money or better roles, and I think, you know, it's, it's about who you are and how you play life, and and um, and that's why I believe in karma. I see so many people that didn't do uh, well by being gracious to people along the path, and now they're suffering for it. And so I think it's very important what you put out there. I think it will turn around to bite you if you if you don't um, embrace and, and don't understand or, or, or have some kind of humility with people who are, are less fortunate than you. I mean, not everybody becomes a success in life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, people struggle every day, you know. Yeah, you know. So, so it's all an education to me. I think we all have we're all here for different reasons and to work out what it is we're supposed to do along our path. And for me, it's always do it well. Yeah. Well, you know, you have been for many years. Many years, you know, you have a lot of roles that you were on. Um, so it's a little bit of a fast forward. Um. Um, was your first series the revival of Mission Impossible? Yes, and um, uh, that was shot in Australia. So I was able to go home with yes. uh, My father thought I was going to shame the family because I left at an early age and what would a good Greek boy want to leave his family to do what? And of course, yeah. people, you know, filled my parents' ears with a lot of negative aspects about what I'm doing in America, I didn't realize that, you know, for the first eight years here, I was really struggling, and I had very little money to support myself, but I wasn't going to allow that to get in my way, but, um, no, it's, um, it's been an enormous education, it's been, an, uh, and, and, and the fact that it's allowed me to take all these journeys, I mean, I've been to Egypt ten times, and I've been to Cuba many times, and, uh, a lot of the places in the Middle East now that are on fire and, and in great wars, uh, I was there and last time I went was 2011 and I miss it. I miss not going there because I have a great identification with with the Middle East and because um, of their history, I find their history fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and I love their, their heritage. Um, here, you know, we're a young country and... Uh, Anything that lasts is knocked down eventually, and um, you know we we we're, we deal more with youth and reward youth more than we do our elderly people who survived when we really should embrace them. It's to me, it's like um, you see the veterans coming home from war and the way we've treated them. I just think it's a disgrace. I was watching 60 Minutes earlier and um, the way we've treated our our vets, and and I think God, we've lost. Because we're this is a country that always deals with change. We've got to move forward. We've got to move forward. 
making more and more money and yeah. I just think I think the culture of this country is a disgrace I think uh, I cannot believe how what we invest in and what we're turning our kids and what we put up as as uh, icons I mean, it's, it's just <laughs> yeah like kids worship Justin Bieber and you know like the stuff that you know here, who we put in pedestals as opposed to what we sh really should be, you know, idolizing or, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, you give Justin Bieber, he keeps making billions, and this is a kid that just uh, just turns around and how, how can he at this stage of his life be even grateful? He doesn't know, he hasn't lived, he hasn't been educated, mm. and parenting as well, and, you know, it's... Um, I came to this country and when I went into the acting world and I saw all those greats, all those wonderful older actors that meant something, who did something and made a difference in, in, in our culture. And now, you know, you're a seven, eight, and they're not interested. And I want to say to them, what's the matter with you people? Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's all about money. It's become just about money. Yeah. That's all it is. I was ready to leave. I just, you know, I became an American citizen, but then I went and I voted, uh, became an American because I wanted to vote for Obama. I wanted to be part of that history, and I just found it a disgrace the way people, you know, whether you agree with his politics or not, but the way they spoke about him and on, on social media and everything, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. disgrace. Yeah. But this is what you're, this is who you are, this is what you've become, and that you can put you know, like Obama next to a picture of a monkey, and I'm going, how do they get away with this? Yeah. I just, um, I don't know. We, we're, we're losing it, I feel. And um, and I think money is the worst culprit. It's about how, how much money do you need? I mean, these, these people are just making corporations and making billions and billions. I'm going, so, so what are you going to do with all this money? You couldn't even spend it in a lifetime. Mm. And yet there are those who money and I'm making a difference, um, you know, by by contributing to great organizations and all that. So some people are, but majority, I don't think they're sending good messages to our youth, you know, and then they wonder why, you know, ISIS is growing into such a huge uh, army yeah. and why young people are leaving, because they're bewildered. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not paying attention. Uh, it, it's terrible. Yeah, I know it's... You know, it's 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 so much things that's going on, and usually um, we always are finding something. You know, this has been happening since the Bush era. You know, now you know Obama's the next one. Everybody's blaming Obama. You know, this is not Obama's fault. Obama inherited this mess. You know, he's trying to fix it up. But you know, it's always you know they blame the minority. You know, and they, like you said, they just you know you know, making fun of him, or you'll see comments if you go, like, on a CNN website and you see those comments, the, the people, what the comments they put down is just so disgusting, you know, it's like, oh my God, these are Americans and they're just, you know, really desecrating our president, it's just crazy. Well, when you saw, uh, um, what's his name, uh, um, McConnell the other day sitting next to the president, and also Bama with those disgusting expressions on their faces. Yeah. But what is the worst thing this man has done? And that's why I like Bill Maher. Yeah. He reads in a whole list of everything that this man has achieved. Yeah. And, you know, whether you agree with him or not, he's still your president. Yeah. And that does not help when he goes overseas yeah. and becomes an example of his country, the leader of his country, 
when we're not even supporting him. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, when time passes, I think he'll be looked upon with a lot more respect than he's been given. But as there's, you know, I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, um, but when they start saying that they're going, when he got into office, that they're going to make sure he's going to leave a lame duck, I thought to myself, my God, because I was born in a racist country. Yeah. So I know racism. Yeah. I experienced myself being an immigrant in Australia where they called us wogs and daggers. So I, I had to adjust to that, but I still see it being so prominent in this country. They should be ashamed of themselves. It is. You know, that's something that will never go away. And it's just that, you know, a lot of people brush it off, brush it by. But, you know, it's always out there. You know, it's always out there. And it's just, you know, people need to educate themselves and people need to be smart enough to realize, you know, that, you know, what are we doing? We're just commenting on the stuff and we're not doing anything about it. You know, we're a country that are followers and not leaders. So it's, you know. I have traveled the world. There is no better people than the than the Americans. Yeah. Generous, they are have a huge amount of compassion, but I don't think the press helps. And I think you know sometimes uh, the image of Obama is something that we had to face as far as racism, yeah. and that will bring change. We're in it, so we can't always see it, mm-hmm. but the country uh, of great people and great successes and uh, the leaders uh, of the world. And we need to present ourselves. Um, today, I was looking at Fareed Zakari on CNN, and he was saying, we are the second most ignorant country in the world. First is Italy. And I just went, what happened to us? I remember when I came to America, and I thought, you know, the American world, the Americana, I loved. I thought, uh, you know, the way people would go to their churches and celebrate life and their children, but uh, a lot of it has changed, and I think we've lost uh, our way. I'm hoping we'll find it again, because deep down, the American people are very generous people, and they're very insightful people, and, and they're hard workers. But um, life is not just about money. Life is about being an example of what it is you do and doing it well. So, anyway, so let's get back to the acting and get off the political agenda. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. We went off tangent there. Um, yeah, so um, going back to Mission Impossible, you went back to Australia for that. How was that being back home and actually having a job back home in Mission Impossible? How was that like? I saw my father after he thought I was going to be some embarrassment. Yeah. I remember I did a live talk show by satellite to Australia. It was my father's birthday. Yeah. And the host said to me, oh, I hear it's your father's birthday. And I said, yes. And I said, is he watching? I said, I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the entire audience saying happy birthday to my father. And my father saw in public television, which he's not, he just doesn't, he wasn't an emotional man. Yeah. But when I went back to the United Mission, his arms were open, tears rolling down his face, and he said to me, my warrior. Wow. So, it, you know, it made, it made a difference. And, um, you know, it's, you know, the thing is, where the world has become smaller and uh, when you can make a difference to your family and go beyond your parents then you've succeeded because that's fatal that's what uh, uh, success and change is about we're meant to go beyond our parents who wants I watched a woman tonight who didn't realize her son had been uh, part of ISIS and uh, he died 
really educated. We need to be kind to them and embrace them and guide them by example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not make them feel guilty that, you know, in order to be a success in this country, you've got to make a lot of money. Yeah. But here you become, you know, it's who you are as a person. That's what success is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I achieved that with my family. And I brought my family here. I sent them overseas six times. And uh, I made a difference in their lives. And um, so I came full circle with my family. And, and I thought, uh, a job done. Now I'm doing this for myself. I spent so many years trying to prove to my family that I left home to be a success. And now that they've gone, my parents, I'm now having to sort of reinvent myself as to, so what is it I want to do now? And so I'm, I'm becoming a writer. I'm doing my second book now. And, um, you know, I can't wait to, to journey again and, and uh, even go back to General Hospital and, and, and see um, what I have learned and how to put that into the character I'm playing. You know, it's all the passion. Mm-hmm. You know, our passion uh, uh, reward about how we feel about things. And it's how we reward ourselves. And that's what I put into my character with her. Yeah, because I've played a lot of baddies in my life. Yeah. And I'm surprised, I think, that when they meet me, I, I, I don't come off as Victor Cassidy, I'm not Tony DeMara. They say, oh my God, you're actually a nice person. Hard <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. But yeah, you know, uh, you live your life the best you can so that you put that positiveness into the work you're doing. Yeah. Exactly. You know, say so we we went kind of off topic, but let me just get back to the Mission Impossible before I get back over there. Um, so you was filming in Australia, and you did that for I think it was from eighty eight to ninety, I believe, right? From the I, revival. Yes, it was towards the end, September of eighty eight to um, ninety one. We did thirty seven episodes. Okay. And we were going to get back to the third season, but one of the actors uh, died. And so, Tony Hamilton, and so, um, and then Tom Cruise came into the picture in, in 94, and before that he put his stamp on wanting to play the, the part, but before he did it, he made sure that every character that ever played on the mission before got killed, and he was the only one, which I thought, okay, it's, you know, a team play is about just for himself, you know, yeah. I thought when team was much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. And, um, um, did it, it, I'm sorry, what happened? It was a great, it was a great show to play because I, I played the man of disguises. So of course, yeah. you know, every week was a different person. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing when I came and started to do General Hospital with all that dialogue, I found it very difficult. But once I got into tears of our lives and my my memory, which is like a muscle, uh, was was tested, expanded. And then uh, I had a character that was very rewarding, and I was able to put much of who I was and my tastes in things and the way I I spoke to people um, was part of the education I had beforehand. And so that's the wonderful thing about being in serials. Uh, You have a chance to grow, and then your audience grows with you. And um, that's why today people are still talking about that character, uh, because it was a good character, and I had some wonderful experiences with it. Leanne Hunley, who played my wife, she, she was just a joy to work with. And I loved uh, Days. I loved the crew. I loved, uh, I loved the actors. And, but the trouble was, they killed me six times, and that's <laughs> Yeah. You played Andre and Tony. So, um, basically, um, when you got into that, did 
um, how was the screen test getting the role of Tony DeMera? Like, how did that come about? Like, well, the head writer from Joe Hospital left, and she went on to Days of Lives, and she uh, she wrote a role, and she wanted me to play, but I had to test four other actors, and uh, it was Gloria Loring who said, I, wanna, I want him to play my husband, and so that's how it happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. So then, and then um, Tony, Mir- Tony DeMera was basically... Woo, like one of like the major major league vi- villains right under Stefano you know what I'm saying so how was it also working with um, um Joseph Joseph Mascolo oh Joe was great um, mm. you know he's a well trained actor yeah great artist he's also a musician yeah. um, you know he's a powerful character in person as well so he helped me um, face that challenge and um, I think that's why uh, it, that, those characters lasted for so many years. Uh, yeah. Really, uh, I mean, I remember one time he slapped me so hard, which wasn't in the script, but he slapped me in the scene. But I saw stars. And, um, you know, um, that was the changing point for me in my character. I wasn't going to ever take that again. I kind of had that same experience with my father, where my father used to hit me. And, oh, wow. and I, so I incorporated the same kind of attitude. Oh wow! So it was almost like a flashback, almost like to reality. You were like, wait a minute, this happened to me when I was, you know, it was, like you had a reaction from that. Yeah. So you know, sometimes things parallel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, did you, um, you, what year did you start in Days of Our Lives? Do you recall? Or was it was. I think it was 1981. 1981. Yeah. Uh, Six times, yeah. and so I finished in two thousand and nine. Uh, for for good, or it's just you know. No, I won't be going back to that show. Oh no. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, it's you know you realize sometimes when things are over. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, the General Hospital character Victor because um, it's a new show of strength for me. Um, I like my executive producer. He's Frank Valentini, he was very embraceful towards me, and he was very supportive and, and really interested. Mm-hmm. And um, and the players, I mean, it's faster now, you know. Yeah. You don't enjoy it as much because by the time you try to, it's over, and you're on to the next scene and the next scene, and then you come home to study the next day's scenes. It's, it's the most unappreciated uh, format in show business daytime. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people don't understand it, they don't realize that, you know, you may shoot 120 pages in one day, whereas at nighttime you, you shoot five or six pages. Yeah. I know there's so much dialogue you have to learn, and, you know, even, you better look at that, James Franco even went back, you know, went to General Hospital, because, you know, he also appreciates, you know, what you guys definitely do, and, you know, it's just sad how the, you know, the soap opera industry just, like, gets underappreciated, like, even with the soap opera awards, they show on HLN, when it used to be on NBC, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's like, almost like the bastard stepchild, I don't know, well, what, you know, what's your take on that? Well, yes, I, I just, there's an ignorance there. There's a, also um, an arrogance about the way they look at it. I think part of it is that they've used a lot of young actors that had no training, so when you turn on your television, you're seeing a lot of young actors doing a scene, and all they're remembering is their dialogue. They haven't had enough time to sort of uh, 
and put into their character any kind of a depth. Mm-hmm. And it's all done fast. And um, and so people say, oh, he's been in soaps, you know, his life has been in soaps. Well, yeah, in Australia or in England or in New York, they don't look at it that way. You know, there's still actors who are in soaps who are doing Broadway. And, and uh, the same thing in Australia, they're doing major films. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, De Niro and Pacino came out of the soaps as well. A lot of major actors, but uh, I don't know what it is. It's like you want to say to them, stop being so arrogant. You know, it's okay for them to go on YouTube and see that somebody's gotten two million hits and a producer says, hire them, and the casting director says, but they're not even actors. I don't care. They've got a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. That goes to show you where our thinking process is. It's about numbers. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's not about things that sustain. Yeah, and uh, for us, to really have worked hard in our, um, in our craft, uh, underappreciated. Although I have come across people in the industry who say, you know, oh, I always loved your character um, and always did well by it. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to crack getting into pilots or series because they've got their list and that's it. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, you want to say, give me a chance. But listen, that's part of the obstacle that comes in, in, in your life. And you learn from everything else that you've overcome that obstacles are there for you as a lesson to to um, to beat and um, and see what comes of it. So, you know, our obstacles are our great lessons. And um, so now, you know, I'm going into writing and it's a new expansion for, for in my career. I find that, uh, you know, I'm... I tell good stories, and I just did a one-man show uh, called, <coughs> excuse me, called Places, mm-hmm. and that was very well received, and I got terrific reviews. Um, so I'm going to probably take that on the road. I want to also go on the lecture circuit because I want to talk about those experiences and um, and then uh, see what happens with uh, the acting side of it. But there's more to it than just you know doing a series or you know being active, you have to find that that, that, it can be a limited profession because very few succeed. So you have to beat them at the game, you know, out-create them. That's what I'm doing. With um, with the places you were talking about, is that something you're going to bring to New York, or is that just L.A.-based? No, um, I'm waiting now because I'm under new management, and um, I I just, they had filmed it, so I got to see what I did. Um, And so... Uh, people uh, wanting me to take it on the road mm-hmm. uh, and go to different uh, lecture circuits, go to colleges, uh, teach people how to journey, uh, what journeys are about. Uh, when you come full circle from a journey, I always believe something about you has changed. And uh, that's how growth comes about. And so, um, you know, everybody has their own interpretation, but if you've succeeded in doing it well, then you've got something to say and people will listen. But and behind it all, it's like the fuel in your car, you know? It's your passion that drives it, and that's what makes people excited. Mm-hmm. I think listen. <laughs> that's a good analogy of looking at it that way. It's very good. You know, um, you say you wrote your second book. Can you tell me a little bit about your second book? What is it in detail? Uh, it's a good book, but it's got a whole different... Uh, it's about all... I'm without giving it away because I don't want to reveal it just yet. But okay. It's taking it's taking cooking to a different dimension that's been done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have crossed my path, and 
because I, I do cook a lot and I've cooked for many years for my friends. Someone said you should do a book. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that. I was going to start a new book called Culture and Cuisine. Mm-hmm. I was going to do Iran next and um, and then my manager wanted me to tackle this first and so that's what I'm doing. Oh, is any particular food, in, 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 in any particular style country that you do, any... Uh, certainly Greek, and yes. but, uh, Thai food I like, Italian, mm-hmm. uh, Chinese I like, uh, mm-hmm. Japanese, so it's across the board, um, you know, when people say, oh, I love Italian food, they think of pasta, but there are many uh, different things in, in the Italian cuisine, just like there are in the Greek cuisine, you know, it's not just about lamb. Um, so I like to cook fish, but the, the recipes are mine. The only trouble is I didn't write them down because I was, I'm an improvised uh, cook or chef, and um, um, so there's nothing more boring than writing out a recipe. <laughs> you do it on the fly, basically, right? You do it like, you know, you'll know what ingredients to have. You don't really need to write it down. You're pretty much experiment, right? I like, I like recipes. To, to me, you know, food is is a way of seducing. Yeah. <laughs> Out of my book, you know, I, I, I think seducing America one minute at a time, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a celebration. It's uh, when people walk into your house and you're cooking, the aroma fills the room and they're excited. And then people sit around the table and you have great conversations while you're serving the food. Um, it's an important aspect of our lives and I think sometimes we're getting to the point where we're going for convenience with food rather than as a celebration for what we've done that day. I mean, when I come home from work, um, you know, I cook for myself. And people say, when do you have time? I said, I make time. Mm-hmm. You exercise your body, you have to exercise your spirit. Yeah. So, what I do. Wow, so the cooking is also your passion, I would then say. It's also your passion. Sorry, what was that? No, I said cooking is also your passion too, because you know you really put the effort, and you know you're writing a book about it, so it's it's also a passion of yours as well, right? You really enjoy cooking. Yes, I, I just um, it, it's it's so important. People don't know what it is they're eating, what the food does for them. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, you know, people rush when they eat; they don't give themselves a reward that day. You know, we feel guilty in America because we need to make more money, we need to work. And I always say, give yourself an hour and embrace yourself and your family and uh, celebrate. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, it's, it's, it's so important. And I think when we, uh, like when we eat apples, do we know when apples are great for your lungs? Or when you make certain broths, they're great uh, things to detox the body, you know? Certain things with, with spices and what they do and how they... Uh, can cure cancers. Uh, you know, I, I go, I'm very much into understanding what I put in my body. And if I go into excess, then I pull it back the next day and adjust it. Okay. Uh, so let me ask you a question. You don't eat fast food at all, then I can gather, right? You don't eat, like, McDonald's or none of the Burger King stuff? or. Oh, that is just so awful. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Oh, my God. I mean, I tried to have a... A McDonald's once, and I went, oh, my God, it's crap, man. <laughs> crap. I mean, fries smell wonderfully. They're very seductive, the smell, but, oh, my God, what they do to you. No, I don't eat fast foods. I, I, don't, I just 
that I'd rather just have fruit if I'm in a place. Mm. Um, no, and pizzas and things like that. Um, no, and I don't drink canned sodas. I don't none of all that. I mean, people have to find out what these foods do to you. How about, when, how about when you're in catering, when you're in general hospital in catering? Like, do you eat anything from catering, or...? Well, you know, when I was younger and everything, I didn't understand things. Yeah. It became part of my adult education. Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, you know, catering foods, when you find out what these foods and uh, how they make them, it's like, you know, um, I don't... You know, you go to Thai restaurants sometimes, a lot of their food is frozen. You go to... Um, panda places and someone said to me have you ever seen what they bring into those places an entire bag of frozen food and they just dump it out there and cook it for you in front of you and you're thinking you're having a tasteful meal well there are so many preservatives and, and who knows what they put in that food now the reason why they call it fast food is because that's exactly what it is it's fast and it's not going to nourish you in any way yeah I have to be honest, if you're poor, like a lot of people are in many countries, fast food has been something that has helped them survive. I can't say, you know, that's ridiculous. I understand that. I'm just saying those of us who have a choice, who can go to supermarkets, sometimes you reach over to something and your body's telling you that's what it wants, and you pick up a piece of fruit and it's saying that's what you want. So you learn to understand how you make music with food. But when you're poor, it's not always easy to go and do the things because food is expensive. Exactly. Now, yes. that, I'm just saying for those who do have a choice, make it a better choice. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Definitely agree. You know, so sometimes it's just so hard, though. Sometimes you know, it's definitely hard. You know, where like if you're if you if you work and then the nearest McDonald's is right there and you don't bring food from home, you know, it's just like, oh, my God, you know, it's just, like, it's so tempting, you know. And, you know, I'm just, like, a sucker for the milkshakes. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, it's just so, but it's bad. You're right. It definitely is. But, you know, it's okay to have some of that occasionally, yeah. you know. I craved a milkshake because when I grew up, I used to love milkshakes. I thought they were the best drinks in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. You know? All that sugar is just terrible for you. So I think it's very important that we become cognizant of, of what it is we're putting in our body so that later on we don't have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you set the body up to be sick later, then it becomes more expensive. Mm-hmm. The cheap food you put in your body is, is, is what takes place later when you end up having to take pills and... Yeah. You know, and, and the diseases that come out of them. So uh, we have to be smart about those things. And it starts with the children. Yeah. Uh, I have families who don't give their children any kind of sugar. Uh, anyway, but then. Yeah, well, I was going to say, wow, like, so they never had sugar in their life, like, uh, at a young age, so. Uh, oh, yeah, they don't. They're, uh, Family members of mine don't give their children any kind of sodas. They teach them from the young. Wow. Because later on, you, you can just say, oh, no, 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 I can't eat that, you know. So you teach them young so they don't have to go through it later. Yeah. Important. I mean, be smarter and and gift your body with the, with good things and not to um, not to make it sick, you know. It's the body we have. It's the machine. And, 
after a while it seems okay, but when you get older, it starts to break down. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there we go with food. Uh, <laughs> yep. Food, politics, everything. This is amazing. This is a conversation, though. This is amazing. This is amazing. You know? But, um... Yeah, I, I'm sorry? I have my people who listen to your, your show that they don't think of me as being, you know, who it is you think he is, because people get offended when you start to tell them things. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, my philosophy is, you know, I'm just trying to tell you that there is a choice, and, and the choice you have, make it your best, and educate your children, so... We're not seduced by all this crap. Mm-hmm. Crap in politics and crap in food. There's so much crap going around. <laughs> that's that, you know, that's the truth. They lie to us. They lie to us. Corporations, they all lie to us. Yeah. You know, they get it for money. Yeah. I always say we're living in the Matrix, you know. We're just plugged in, you know. So that's, that's how yeah. I, It's just like the movie, you know. Yeah. Um, no. So anyway, yes. it was, did you need to ask any other questions? Um, yes, yeah, um, basically just, um, I'll just get back into the general hospital real quick. Um, how long is your role of Victor Castanine going to be going on? Do you know, basically, or? No, and if I did, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay, okay, that's cool, that's cool. And, um... <laughs> No, no, I was going to set it up right there. I thought he was going to say, oh, probably for a couple of months or so, but I guess I can't get that out of you. So I'd want more. Uh, okay. Okay. Did um did you shot most of your scenes yet, or there's some scenes coming up? or? Yes, I've shot it. That, that finished in September, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but it should be interesting. We'll see. Uh, but right now, I'm, I'm looking at other things, and... Uh, I want to do some more theater as well, but it's been a good run. It's been a good, good, good. I'm happy. I'm happy. Um, any plans to come to New York and probably do some theater out here, or that's not? I any... love. No, I love New York. Um, yeah, um, I'm hoping that maybe um, this lecture circuit will take me there or with the book, and um, tomorrow. Um, uh, I'm speaking to people about the lecture circuit, so uh, so we'll see. It's a good show, and the reason why people so cheered me on at the end of this show was because it's not your norm, and I did go into dangerous territories, and I've been threatened um, many times. I came close to death many times, but I still go, go in because I'm passionate about how people live and, and what their thoughts are and how they survive and in their cultures, especially with the world being as difficult as it is this, these days. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. Uh, I, I thought I was going to retire last year. I thought, no, I just want to go and sit by the Nile and just write. <laughs> life has shown me another direction, and so uh, we'll see uh, where we go. But I think um, uh, long-distance runners are long-distance runners. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you, know, you have a you're, you have longevity in your career. You know, you're always constant, and you're always, you know, having the next role, the next big role. And you know, you know, I I, I kind of hoped I would see you in days of, days of our lives again, but I guess that's not in the cards. But you know, you know how they say in show business, never say never. So you know, could we maybe in the new future, you know, not anytime soon, to probably see a Tony Demura resurrection again? <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray, 
hard. <laughs> oh, man. So I, I, I guess that's a no. <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much. It was nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, Teo. And thank you for giving me the time. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. And I wish you the best in life. And if anything you ever want to promote, please come back on. Yes, thank you. We'll talk again. Yes, have a good evening. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.